Hi, this is Radhika Dosa and you're listening to Soul Tales with me, my animals and friends. Tune in for heartwarming stories of dogs, cats and other family as we talk about love, life and loss. Hi Mariam, welcome to Soul Tales an episode with me Radhika Dosa where we talk to people who love animals, all my animal friends and we talk to them about why they love animals so much and I know you love animals so much. I do, I do. So introduce yourself to us. Great. Hi Rads, thank you for having me over. I mean, we go back such a long way and you know, it's always nice catching up with you. Well, um Okay, are you a dog person or a cat person? Oh, good question. So, um totally a cat person. That's because I've always had cats, over 400 cats in my lifetime, and I'm not old, mind you. So, if your listeners are listening to this, I'm not 60, 70. I'm just uh in your 20s. Yeah, yeah. That that'll never be <laughs> <laughs> that'll always be the case, but yeah. I mean, I've the reason I'm a cat person is because I don't like I mean I love dogs as well but I don't like people clinging to me you know my boy boyfriends and me have always had trouble with that like please stay away maintain distance give me my space and cats are sort of like that and I don't have to take you know care of every bit of their details so so you think you're a cat person definitely undoubtedly totally <laughs> okay so tell me about your love for animals and where it's gotten you So Radhika it all began in my childhood where I grew up around a lot of animals. I still remember my dad always bringing in all the animals from the street and you know like even hens we even had hens we had a pony we had a monkey you know nobody knew at that point that it's illegal to keep one but he had rescued a monkey from somewhere. Where is this? This was at the Empress Garden so my granddad owned it. And so he had brought this monkey over there and there was a monkey that kept staying there and obviously it scratched me at some point and we had to give the monkey away. But I, I didn't get rabies from the monkey. No, I definitely didn't get it. I'm still here, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was cool and I mean, but I found myself drawn towards cats more. And I remember my first cat Beauty. And uh she probably has her great-grandchildren somewhere around Chhangashet Road still somewhere there. but um i don't know i always felt as the only child they were my siblings my friends um uh, yeah i mean i felt connected to them although i must tell you that my sole animal is the elephant but uh-huh. i couldn't have one at home of course <laughs> that would be very weird we have a cat right here with us so um but yeah so i grew up around with animals and then um i think even whenever i traveled when i studied i always had a cat as a pet and they were always never purchased they were always adopted or you know from the neighborhood or from uh, a friend or from a shelter and uh, so that concept of you know where breeders and everything that never occurred to me until however when i lived in i moved to jaipur as a tourist and then Kind wait, of... wait! Before we get to Jaipur, huh. I want to dwell on the fact that you are highly educated academic from one of the most prestigious universities and courses in the world. Right. And if you could tell us about that, and then how you got into animal activism, oh. and also about your Egyptian cats. Oh yes, I'll tell you all about that. Um, so yeah, I uh, I'm an alumni of the Duke University. I also did my undergrad from West Georgia. um and uh, did a year at Johns Hopkins and uh, 
um, I was always somebody who wanted to be in politics, you know, somewhere around uh, or diplomacy, foreign services and things of that sort. Um, studied immensely on the concept of human rights. And I even worked in that field. I worked for several not-for-profits and research institutions, um, traveled the world, I mean, to conflict zones. And uh, um, I don't know, I felt... I felt that, yes, that was my calling until um, I got to India. I got to India back in 2016, late 2016. And uh, I'm from Pune, my family's here. But when I got back here, um, I realized that there was this whole new uh, field called content writing. And uh, there was a lot of requirements, a lot of vacancies available, and they were getting very highly paid. So I was like, okay, chuck that. Let's get into content writing. I started working with some IT companies, did really well. Um, and uh, I'll just take you a tad bit behind. I was also an educator. So when I lived in Egypt, I had my own boutique and I worked as an English teacher, English and social studies teacher. Enjoyed that part the most. So, you know, if you want to define Mariam, I think she's an educator, somebody who uh, loves being and facilitating the process of learning, whatever it might be. And uh, I think what I'm doing now in activism is also stemming from that that time, like when I wanted to be a teacher or somebody to uh, be around people and educate or make them aware of things. And uh, so, yeah, from Pune, then went to Jaipur. But let's move on to your next question, which was about my Egyptian cats. Basbusa and Mishmish. Uh, they're no more but they are still here with me. I mean, they're no more living, but they're living in my heart. And Mishmish and Basbusa both came to me as kittens in Egypt, um, totally adopted. One was just given to me by my ex-boyfriend. The uh, Basbusa was some a little kitten, like very timid, a few days old, which was given to me and rescued from the streets of Cairo by a Hamdi who worked at this gallery in the same building as where I lived in Zamalek in, in Cairo. It's beautiful. She, she and Mishmish grew together. And of course, when it was time for me to come to India, I had to bring them. I couldn't leave them behind. Of course, who leaves family behind? But Basbusa decided just a week ago when we were traveling to give birth. And so on the flight, you're allowed only two cats. So we cannot, you know, Basbusa had five kittens. It was impossible to travel with her. And I know a girl who hid kittens in her pocket. Oh my God, I wouldn't do that. And quietly put them into the cage with the mother in the flight. I think I wouldn't be so brave at that point because it was the first time I was traveling with a pet. So I wasn't sure if I could do that. And I didn't know if it was safe for the kittens because they were just a week old. So I said, okay. So I put her, with a, put her up with a friend and said, I'll come back for her. Mishmish and I traveled to India. Uh, he became very attached to my father and uh, they became inseparable. And then I later on, after a few months, I went back and got Basbusa. And uh, yeah, it's been 10 years of my time with them and beautiful time. I mean, they've both given me such beautiful memories and Basbusa is laid to rest in Jaipur. She was with me. Um, I kept bringing her to Pune for treatment at Raintree and uh, Mishmish died in Pune. While I was away, so yeah. Are Egyptian cats different from Indian cats? I don't think so. Or are Persian Egyptian cats different from Indian <laughs> Egyptian cats? I think they're just a lot more calmer. And uh, 
that didn't match with my personality though i always wanted so amongst them whenever i moved to india i always had an indie cat as well because i wanted thoda masti wala cats you know like basbusa and mishmish would just sit in a corner i'm like okay fine your cuddle buddies but i also wanted someone who could be more you know playful and naughty and mischievous and you know you're very lucky because mine only want to eat and sleep oh my oh my they no. stop playing but that's because you feed them so much i don't <laughs> they're like you mongoose they need to go on a diet rather no, they bang on the dabba and they knock it over and they're inside the kibble box Oh my. No. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, they all figure out how to take <laughs> off the lid and climb into the box. Oh, I'm never leaving them here to learn from your cats. For Mind sure. Bang. Oh my. Yeah, and no. they figured out that if they bang at 6 in the morning, I will get up and give it to them. Well, my cats too do that in the morning. I think what happened, I will not do it at 3 in the morning. No, no, no. But my cats have broken everything. Caesar particularly, my uh my Daisy rescue of only 10 days when I rescued him. He will break everything in his way if you don't wake up in the morning to feed him. You don't leave the food out before. No, I don't. No, because he'll be gone. No, I don't do kibbles. Okay. I don't. I don't. Mine don't like wet food. Strangely. That's. I mean. They like wet food once a day, but if I keep giving them wet food, they bank on the dabba mm-hmm. for the kibble. Okay. So I stopped feeding my cats kibble when Caesar was diagnosed with FIP. Yeah. and i did a lot of research and i did my course on animal nutrition and i stopped feeding him it was just said that go with all natural food so i think that diet along with uh you know the treatment really worked to get him out of it so i just decided that's how so it's going to be what did you follow and what nutrition course did you do so i did my course from um the north american veterinary council mm-hmm. and it's therapeutic food and i did a lot of reading as well so even though i didn't complete that course completely because it was very expensive to continue but i then bought purchase books and i used the little knowledge that i'd learned from there and i continued and complete raw food diet mm-hmm. so it's human grade chicken and uh fish and uh, of course you boil it for about 2 2 minutes and not too much because it kills the nutrients and you put them on a raw food diet and that's very healthy they've had very few episodes if any of a vet visit or stuff like that so mm. they're pretty good right now mine don't want to eat fish fresh fish you should try boiling try boiling yeah they will not touch boiled liver boiled fish either oh don't boil liver i mean that's just liver they get raw yeah liver is raw and but fish you need to boil they'll never have season chester wouldn't eat either i had a cat who loved sushi he would eat fresh fish every day oh my Well, every cat, you know, you know the childhood thing that we were shown about Tom drinking milk. Milk. Yeah. So, I mean, those things. There are certain cats that love fish, but there are cats who don't eat fish, and it's pretty normal for cats to have their own preferences. But I've noticed that when I boil the fish, both of them eat. Oh, what fish do you give them? So I do basa or mackerel, mm-hmm. uh, or tilapia. Okay, I'm going to so, try that. You should. What else do you recommend for fish uh, cat nutrition? I think the other thing you should do is a completely off wheat. Okay, whatever yeah. you give them and remember they are obligate carnivores. So you can also do uh uh bones like the neck piece and stuff because they love chewing and it's good for them. Yeah, um, I've been dry roasting bones for them. That's okay. That's good. Uh, neck bones and yeah. they love it as a morning crunch. Yeah, yeah, they're good. Why give them those treats, packaged treats? You can create your own treats. Yeah, you can actually do them at home. Yeah. yeah. We do liver biscuits at home, and That's we good. do uh, peanut butter and pumpkin biscuits at home, and then right. we do 
uh, neck treats because sure. it's easy to dehydrate the necks. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's a little. And there are some cats if legs. you can write from when you get them and you can try to incorporate cucumbers in their diet. That's also good because they'll get the hydration. Hydration, okay. So then, what else have you been doing with the Egyptian cats? <clears throat> well, nothing now that sees uh, Mishmish and Basbusa are gone. Uh, in fact, how did you deal with losing them? They were a very huge part of your life in Egypt. They were. They were not only Egypt here as well. I mean, uh, I'm still grieving. It happened this year, so this year has been very hard for me because in a span of five months, I've lost four of my babies. Oh my. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's been really tough because I lived alone in Jaipur and. You know how people don't think when you lose a pet that you deserve space and grieving time and that's that's very common but they are your children they you just don't take them to school or you know enroll them here and there for classes but they're your children and I'm still not over it I don't think I will be for a very long time uh, but Caesar and Chester have helped fill that not a void but they've helped they're helping me recover from that grief also leaving behind Jaipur where Basbusa passed away. I think it's doing me good. She's buried in a garden there. I, know I think she left so that you could leave. You think that's what happened? And also I want to tell you something that really helps with grief. Mm. It's not like the heart closes, mm. but the heart expands to accommodate more love. Oh, absolutely, Radhika. So Chester <laughs> and, you know, Caesar <laughs> have made space in your heart for more love. Yeah. And I'm That's, ready for more. Yeah. <laughs> My mom would probably throw a fit. Were you normal two cats ago? <laughs> I know. I'm like now totally. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I want to help as many animals as I can in whatever way possible. Um, and let's, could we move to Jaipur? Let me tell you a little bit about my life there. I think uh, I went as a tourist in 2020 and uh, stayed at this beautiful um hostel and obviously it was the time when covid had hit and there was a lockdown and oh. yeah i mean i started working with fiapo which is the federation of indian animal protection organizations as their communication manager digital manager i think and uh, while i was there there was this family of dogs right outside the hostel and uh, of course there was no food coming in for them and everything so i had to figure out amazon and and they became my life because obviously you're alone. What do you do? There are no humans around. It was a perfect, it was paradise, utopia for me. Because it was just them and I'd given them Disney character names, you know, because that's that just took me back to my childhood and being by myself with beauty. And But then Minnie was the mother. We had Daisy, Pluto, Goofy, uh, Scooby, everybody, everybody was there. And... Uh, one day a car just comes and as I'm standing there, drives over Pluto and Daisy oh and within a jiffy, Pluto passes away right on the spot. And, you know, this is the first instant. Previously, I'd never come across cruelty or things of that sort where an animal would be abused. Okay, in front of me, everything was very rosy. When I lived in Pune, everything was fine. And I follow that car. And that car goes, Daisy was hit, okay? And I'm holding Daisy in my hand because I didn't have, Uber wasn't working at that time. I didn't know anybody in Jaipur. Um, and I immediately called 
first thing I do is I call uh, the Fiapo director and I say, Varda, do you know anybody here? And she puts me in touch with Rohit and Rohit sends an ambulance. But I am while I'm doing this, I'm also following that car, drives around the corner, stops at a mandir and the lady goes in, comes out. And I'm like, do you realize you just killed an animal, a living being? And she says, so? I said, and you've gone inside and prayed to God and you've just killed some living being. And she just pushes me away and I have Daisy in my hand and she drives and she goes and she lives, she lived in that neighborhood and she was the daughter of a judge. And I knock on that door and I say, you're a judge, you know, your daughter just killed an animal. And they just shun the, close the door on my face and I was like, what sort of people are these? I mean, to me it was, and by the time the ambulance had come and taken Daisy away. And just made me think of what's happening. I kept following up with Daisy. Then one day I learned that the NGO that they've taken her to is very close. So I walked there and uh, I saw the state in which Daisy was and in which state that left her there. It broke my heart. I brought her back to the hostel. I wasn't allowed to have a pet. I mean, it wasn't pet friendly, but I was the only one living there. So during lockdown. So I just spoke to the owner and he allowed her to be Apparently, while she was there, she contracted distemper. Now, Radhika, let me tell you, I'd never heard of any dog diseases before, right? I was a cat person. I never grew up around dogs. It's like, what is distemper? What is parvo? No idea. And just then, a dog feeder comes around. And now she's a very dear friend of mine, Sakshi. And uh, she was part of the, apparently, they'd formed a Jaipur for Animals Network, feeding network. So I... I told her, can, I don't know what's happened to her. And she said, it's probably distemper and whatever. So then she takes me to a private vet. We drive in her car and she was constant support. And through this journey, ultimately we had to leave her somewhere. So we spoke to um, somebody and they said the best place would be an NGO. So she ends up going back to that NGO. However, I requested, I said, I'll pay. Please keep her separate and keep her well. They agreed and all that, whatever. And then one day I come back. I used to go every day. And she's just lying dead in her own pee in a tub. Radhika, I was on my knees weeping. I still remember how I cried when I saw her there. And she was the first loss. I mean, the first dog I ever really had or cared for. And to see her in that state. And I'm on my knees weeping. And the director just walks past me, does not even try to console me. And at that point, I didn't think much of it. I go back home, we bury her. And then it just hit me that, what sort of NGO has no compassion? So I Googled about the NGO. I saw a little, I went to meet the managing trustee. And I said, I want to come and volunteer. I just want to volunteer. And that's what I did. I started volunteering there. Understood because I never worked at a shelter as well. Got very attached to the dogs. Got to know a lot about dogs. And one day I just said they had an opening for a PR manager. So I just took up, applied and I got accepted. And I grew very good friends with the managing trustee. And things were going very well. So that's how that journey happened of... Mariam turning into maybe like most people would say a dog person. <laughs> so, yeah. 
You still don't have a dog of your own? No, I don't. I have a dog called Jasmine. She was mine. I mean, uh, again, a rescue in Jaipur. But she is happier being around dogs. So when I left Jaipur, I couldn't bring her. She's now, she lives outside the shelter with her doggy friends and her boyfriend. So, I mean, I didn't have the heart to separate her from them. So, yeah. So what do you think of uh, India and how it treats its animals? I think this this is a this takes me back to when I was teaching in Egypt. There was a parents teachers meeting and uh you know it was very unusual for somebody who is traditionally I mean whose nationality is Indian to be teaching English in a Middle Eastern country because for them it's all about oh only blondes can teach English, right? So during this PTA meeting a parent made a comment about um oh you're from india it's the land where they pray to the god pray to the cow and i said yes and i'm proud of it you know that they worship and they take care of the cow okay that was the impression even i had till that day when i come to india when i came back now this is all i'm observing later on not as a normal civilian you don't get to see these things but when i turned to be an activist when i went for my training to delhi and um uh, to learn about the laws and everything on animal welfare um i visit these dairies and i see how poorly we are treating our cows our buffaloes you know and it broke me i got on my, again on my, i'm like i think i'm just so sensitive and i threw up you know i remember that first visit to the dairy in delhi i just fell to my knees and i started throwing up and my other colleagues were wondering what's wrong with me and i decided then that i would do whatever i can in my power to reduce the consumption of dairy but that thing told me one thing okay we don't really worship cows okay we we have certain uh uh spaces where we worship the cow or you know we treat it well for a certain period of time and then they're left to fend for themselves on garbage i mean who graces puts their mother gau mata to graze on garbage That's a question we need to think about. कि एक तरफ से हम ये बोलते हैं एक तरफ से हम ये करते हैं एक तरफ से हम मंदिर मस्जिद जाते हैं एंड बट वी डोंट रियली टेक केयर ऑफ द लिविंग फॉर्म ऑफ गॉड ट्रस्ट मी ईच ऑफ दीज एनिमल्स इज अ मेरिकल राधिक एंड एम श्योर यू विल अग्री दैट वन यू लुक इन टू द राइज दैट जस्ट एंजल आइज यू नो दट राधिका इज दैट एन एक्सक्यूज नो इट्स नॉट आई मीन लॉर पीपल कम टू मी एंड टेल मी दैट अब इंसानों का देखभाल करो ना एनजीओ में जाओ अब डॉग का एनजीओ में क्यों जाते हैं अरे भाई इंसानों का एनजीओ में बहुत लोग कर रहे हैं डॉग का कोई भी नहीं कर रहा है हम गिने चुने लोग हैं विच इज द फ्यू पीपल लेट अस डू व्हाट वी आर डूइंग एंड दिस वाज आई रिमेंबर दिस कॉमेंट स्पेसिफिकली वॉज द म्यूनसिपल कमिश्नर एट दैट टाइम एंड ही टोल्ड मी दिस मरी वाई यू समी विद सच अ हाई डिग्री वाई यू रनिंग प्रोटेक्टिंग डॉग्स नज लाइक दस नॉन ऑफ यूर बिजनेस I was like because you're not doing your job I'm having to leave what I have done with my degree and take care of the dogs of Jaipur so I can remind you of what you're supposed to do and we just had a laugh after that that they're like you know but nothing ever came out of it they don't have the will to do anything so I think I think that's what it is that's it what would you advise people in being compassionate normal human citizens in india who are overworked urban pressures 
have jobs, have families, have no time, but who have a conscience. Okay. Yeah. Number one, not everybody, like you said, can go out and take care of animals, which is perfect. But all of you have some religious ritual that you have to do, either because someone is born in your family, someone is getting married in your family, or there is unfortunately a death in the family, right? You all have to give zakat. You all have to do charity, right? Prasad dena, ye karna hai. Why don't you take a percentage of what you have to donate and donate to an animal shelter that is doing some good work? Because let me tell you that all, all of them need are help. need help. And even a little bit goes a long way. A little bit goes a long way. You give, like say you're giving, I've seen people giving, throwing money away to able-handed people. Why are you doing this to humans? Teach a man to fish and he will, you know, survive. But what will you do with the dog? How will the dog survive? How will the cat survive? How will these shelters survive? If we Indians don't give, why should we go abroad and ask people from abroad to donate to us? Why shouldn't we ourselves do it? I mean, that's a simple thing. You can't feed an animal, you don't have time. Fine, nobody's going to go out of their way and ensure that food is collected and then you give it to the street dog. Nobody's going to do that, right? Very few of those who already love animals. But the others, please consider donating to animal shelters or dog feeders. Or donate even the cost of one cappuccino a week. Just do that. I mean... Even a thousand rupees a month makes a, a huge I, difference. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I, I've been... Okay, what I'm, can you do for a thousand rupees? If somebody wants to give a thousand rupees to an animal shelter, what can they get for it? Oh, a lot. A lot you can get. See, it depends. Food, okay? Get uh, or ask them what they need. Okay, usually they need blankets. They need pee pads. They need uh, uh, warmers like these uh, heat pads, um, medicines, um, cotton. They use a lot of cotton. They use a lot of gauze. I mean, these are just things that they need. And thousand rupees can get you a lot. If you don't want to give them the money, ask them what they need. Okay, don't get them blankets if it's summer, for example. You know, get them what they'll need at that point. And many people will say, Okay, Janvaro ko, oh, hum meat nahi de sakte, hum ye nahi kar sakte, bhai dog food de do. Oh, aap koi galat nahi kar rahe, jisne khana banne hai, na usne galat kiya hai, bas. Because we had that case in Jaipur, they're like, oh, we are not going to donate dog food because it's non-veg. Yeah. But they need food to eat, no? And they can't eat paneer. They can't eat paneer. Okay, so if somebody wants to be an activist, what do you advise them? Wonderful. Have a lot of courage and be incorruptible when it comes to animals. I mean, when I say that, I mean it because I've experienced things that where people have claimed to be animal lovers, activists, but they haven't gone all out. You have to go all out. You have to stay very strong and you have to give yourself the window to recover from every case, okay? But if you want to be an activist, start from an NGO, okay? because that will give you the wings that you need and the know-how. Also, there are many trainings that happen. One is the Ahimsa Fellowship. Then there is IGNU that has a course. There are so many um, law colleges that offer animal welfare in the animal rights. They offer courses. Please take those courses because unless you're informed yourself, you can't really do justice. You know, you can't go to a police station and say, ha, ye admin ne ye dog ko maar diya, ab ab complain liko. 
you have to tell them which sections apply, how to file the case, how to take it forward, how to do the postmortem. You have to know everything. Because if you're not informed, they will take advantage of it. But if you know your case, you know how things are done, nobody will dare walk all over you. Let's go back to that window of recovery. What do you yeah. mean by that? Uh, window of recovery could mean different things to different people. Usually, once you become an activist, people assume that every call you have to say yes to. Please be brave enough to say, no, I can't take it and pass it along to somebody else. Because if you've just recovered from the trauma of seeing a dog who was shot 22 times lying in his own pool of blood. And imagine you don't have that time to recover, to move to another case. What's going to happen? You're just going to be desensitized. You don't want to be desensitized. Okay, because unless you feel, you won't be able to point out where the veterinarian or where the police have not done their role. Also, go clubbing, go take a break, a holiday once in a while. But that window is very important to be okay. Don't feel guilty for saying no to a case. The moment you say that, oh, no, 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 I can't say no because people will judge me. Fuck these people. I don't know who these people are. What matters is you being okay, your vessel being full of water so you can quench somebody else's thirst. Be ready for your next case. So I usually will uh, go to the spa, uh, go clubbing, take myself out for lunch or dinner and just say no to certain cases that I think that I'm not needed and pass them along in the group to somebody else. And how are animal welfare workers to work with? Oh goodness, that's another ball game. <laughs> um, you'll find all sorts of people like you'll find in every profession. And yes, animal activism is a profession because um, you have to strategize, you have to plan, you have to execute. And if you have an NGO, you also make some money. But uh, be prepared to be broke, okay? Because like I said, people don't think that you need to, money to hire a lawyer to fight your cases, which we do. Uh, but I don't know, they're all, they're all different. I mean, they're different species altogether. They're cocoa in the head. They're, uh, uh, some of them are so sensitive that you're like, please chill, you know, it's okay. We'll, it's not the end of the world. Some of them are um, very rude because you know the work makes them that way. You, if you're having in and day in and day out to deal with police and you know corrupt officials, you're going to get a certain tone and it's going to become part of you. It's like difficult to let go. But through it all, I think it's life. You'll meet them and you'll meet them and you'll meet them and you'll meet so many different people. So very much I can know whether you'd come on occasionally and answer questions from people on my podcast. I would love to. I mean, anytime I've done, I never say no to an opportunity to educate people about animal rights and animal welfare and compassion. See, my main thing, Radhika, is coexistence, okay? I feel that I can't change people, okay? But I can convince them to coexist, okay? I can't convince you to go out of your way to feed an animal, okay? But I can convince you to live and let live and to have a little compassion. You see an injured animal, at least pick up the phone and call an NGO. 
I've had this with people in my society and stuff. Where I've said it's fine if you don't want to feed the animals, but right. why can't I? Right. It's exactly. totally fine if you don't care about them or you, they don't matter to you. But why do you have to go out of their way to make their lives miserable? Absolutely. Especially our treaties, they they didn't ask to be here. Yeah. And once somebody told me, I really wish there were no stray dogs, and mm. I turned around and told him, I wish that too. Mm. And he looked at me and he said, What do you mean? I said, I wish every dog had a home and wasn't stuck on the street dealing with the trauma of survival on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Yes. Imagine yourself. So I did this. I do this activity when I have my workshops. I make people. I love writing letters, you know, Radhika. I think people have forgotten that art, but anyway. So I make them write letters to a street dog, a community dog that lives in their community, motu, chotu, or whatever, and put themselves and te- say what they want. And then I reverse the role, and chotu is writing to them. You know, I think that has created. I had people who had tears in their eyes, and from that day they started putting out some food for them. and water and shades i've seen that transformation i think people just need to go and be in their shoe to feel like they are the dog or that you know if they had to live on the street hungry it's um they too would start eating people i mean like they would like start biting not eating people but they were hungry if you're 10 days without food okay what do you expect to do any like i said a human would also start killing would start dropping with steel what is a poor dog going to do he's probably just nibbling on you or asking you or barking at you to say please feed us and whenever you go anywhere radhika have you noticed why does the dog bark at one person and not at you even though you are the stranger and even that person is a stranger dogs feel energies and they know the intention of a person So if somebody is going around and feeding them the right food, I see a lot of people going for morning walks and feeding parleji. While I understand the sentiments, that's why you can work on that sensitization. Okay, you're feeding five rupees ka parleji. Why don't you take ten rupees along and feed them dog food? You know, and uh, instead parleji, I understand why you're doing it. You want to feed them, but feed them the right thing. So that's where it comes. Let's work on sensitizing. Let's work on people to coexist. You just tell them coexist. आपको नहीं देना है हम दे रहे आपके लिए. Yeah, that way. Okay. And could you tell us about this little uh, side thing that you started, which is to create merchandise for animal welfare? Sure. I mean, I always wanted to do something where. Um, I could help more NGOs, or I could help my work for animals because I'm always broke, and I have so many pending cases, and um, you know there's always some crisis or the other happening, or we find an animal and then we don't have money for its treatment and things of that sort. So I decided that I'm creative. I used to be a designer in Egypt, so why don't I do one thing which is the easiest and you can't? It's not a big risk even. which are t-shirts and merchandise small merchandise in the shape of animals or with animal prints and sensitize people with it and the proceeds of that the profits would obviously go towards supporting an animal welfare initiative and uh, this year i organized the first season of share the world festival and uh, i want to do this every year it happened in jaipur and it was pretty nice it was beautiful it was the first festival where an indie dog was the chief guest 
and I want to do it every year, but whether I find sponsors or not. So the merchandise will also help support that festival, which is going to promote coexistence. And uh, so I have t-shirts, I have natural soaps, candles, uh, bookmarks. I've collaborated also with different artists like Aradhna in Jaipur and we're doing things together so we can benefit as many animals as possible. And if people want to order, they can go to my Instagram. I don't have a page yet for the merchandise, just I'm working on it. But in the meantime, they can order it through the Persian Ladki on Instagram. Great. That sounds good. Guys, have you heard this? You can help animal welfare just by helping Amariam sell her merchandise. And it's really lovely stuff. I have here a beautiful blue and white tie and dye t-shirt with a slogan that says, uh, let me see. Imagine a world where every animal is treated with empathy, love and care, etc. And what a beautiful world that would be. Imagine living in that world. And it's a beautiful, beautiful t-shirt with a excellent quality. So I do urge you to get on the Persian Ladki on Instagram and DM her for orders. And meanwhile, thank you, Mariam, for being here with us. Oh, it was, I love talking to you. You know, it's always <laughs> lovely. <laughs> now we're going to go cuddle some cats. We are. And we get over know. all the horrible topics we've been discussing about animal welfare and how sad and cruel the state is around us. But... I would like to sign off with a more positive note saying that it may not be a lot that you do for an animal, but it could mean the difference between life and death mm -hmm. and a whole world for that animal. So if you do feed a, a thirsty street dog water or give a bird grain, it could mean a whole difference for them. Yeah, totally. So don't hesitate and say, what can I do? It's so little. It's nothing. It could be everything for them. Yeah. yeah. And adopt, don't shop. Adopt, don't shop. Yes, adopt, don't shop. Uh, none of us have ever bought animals. We've adopted mm -hmm. all of them and we love them. We're not against top breeds or things like that. It's mm -hmm. just that there are puppy mills that are cruel. Yeah. Uh, we'll come to that in another time. Meanwhile, have a wonderful week and we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much for being here. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's it for today. Thank you so much for joining me here. And don't forget to tune in next week for another dose of Soul Tales with me, Radhika Dosa.